Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset, WBEZ's talk show for news, politics, culture, and more. When you think of LaSalle Street in the Loop, you might think City Hall, the Chicago Board of Trade, the Rookery Building, or the Thompson Center. But city leaders would like you to add a nice place to live to the list. That's right, Mayor Lightfoot is out with a plan that aims to add 1,000 housing units to LaSalle Street, 30% of them affordable. LaSalle has a higher vacancy rate than any other section of downtown Chicago. Enter the city's LaSalle Reimagined initiative. Joining us now to discuss is Cindy Rubick, Deputy Commissioner of Chicago Department of Planning and Development. Also with us is Block Club Chicago reporter Melody Mercado. Melody, you cover the loop and surrounding areas for Block Club. Tell us about the area that this plan is focused on. It's LaSalle Street, but not all of LaSalle Street, right? Yes, and if my memory serves me correctly, it will be uh, starting on um, East Wacker and following LaSalle all the way down to Jackson um, and includes uh, all of those buildings on the block that actually touches LaSalle. Mm -hmm. Um, And so all of those various buildings uh, would, uh, property owners that own those buildings would qualify to um, submit proposals to receive funding to make these into things like potential housing, residential units, of course, and things like um, grocery stores or local restaurants. And we'll dig more into that. You've got a great map, by the way, on your your piece that's online right now on blockclubchicago.org. Um, so the city is focused on this part because, as I mentioned, it's got uh, LaSalle's got a high vacancy rate compared to other sections of downtown. Is it obvious, though, when you're when you're walking the street and you're walking that area, are you seeing the empty storefronts and the empty offices? I will say that that portion of LaSalle is is decently vibrant between nine to five. But of course, the city um, and real estate developers are interested in making it more than that. And so I would say between those work hours, you'll see a lot of people maybe out to lunch trying to grab something to eat. Uh, catching the CTA. But outside of those hours, I would say you, you probably won't be finding a lot of people walking around. Cindy, great time to bring you in here. What inspired this plan? Where'd the idea come from? Right. Thank you so much. Sure. I mean, it's it's definitely because of the high vacancy rate and, you know, the impact that the pandemic has had on um, our, our downtown in general and a shift in you know, many employees, you know, some employees working from home. Um, and, and just in general, the LaSalle Street corridor also has a very high monoculture of office uses. 85% of the real estate in this corridor is for office space. And that's just not very sustainable or resilient. 
um, in, in terms of creating a vibrant mixed-use corridor. And so that's why we really think bringing in a residential component is important for that vibrancy to, to make this a destination area on the weekends or for um, uh, re residential amenities like dining and cultural um, places on the ground floor. Yeah, let's talk more about that that piece. Give us the details because a thousand new housing units. I'm very curious. Are these apartments? Are they condos? Right. Well, we think um, it, it could be a combination, but generally, um, you know, these buildings are are very large. We have over five million square feet of vacant office uh, floor space in the corridor. So, um, you know, there, there's plenty of opportunities to create um, many residential units. And we have an example already on the street. Uh, there's a, a building at 29 South LaSalle called the Millennium at LaSalle. And that was an uh, uh, underutilized office building that converted to residential units, over 200 units. But they're all market rate luxury apartments. And we thought, well, uh, and we had been talking to some of the other property owners who had been considering also converting their vacant office floor space into residential. And we said, well, we really want to come in here and partner with these private owners so that we can make sure that that there's some affordability component uh, to their to their conversion project. Yeah, and how how would that affordable housing piece work? Sure. So uh, within the, the the building and and in our invitation for proposals, we're asking for property owners to include thirty percent of the units as affordable units. Um, and so seventy percent would be market rate, and then the thirty percent would be affordable units, and then we would. Um, you know, that they would seek uh, some incentives. There's multiple layers of incentives available at the federal, uh, state, and, and local level as well. And yeah. we would be ready to provide them uh, with that assistance uh, with that 30% affordability. And in your defining affordable, how? Uh, for uh, households that earn an average of 60% AMI, area median income. Melody Block Club also spoke with Deputy Mayor for Economic Development, Samir Mayakar. What did he have to say, particularly about centering equity in this planning process? Right. And, um, you know, we know that developers are really interested in the area around LaSalle and around the Thompson Center following, you know, Google's announcement to buy and redevelop the building. Um, so, you know, he told me we know that developers are interested in the area. We know that it's going to be revitalized, but we want to make sure that equitable development is included in that plan. Um, and of course, that includes affordable housing and includes trying to create more like cultural community centered spaces, which is really what the revitalization plan is all about. Yeah. Cindy, uh, Mayor Lightfoot in a statement yesterday talked about, quote, diversifying the corridor. Is that what she meant? Yes, both both in land use, but also in um, the types of business, businesses we would be seeing and supporting along the corridor. We would be providing a grant for locally owned businesses and cultural event spaces for really specifically, um, you know, uh, neighborhood businesses that have been doing well in their neighborhoods and they're considering maybe expanding a footprint into downtown. We want to help them um, be able to cover some of those uh, construction costs to build out those spaces. Yeah, Planning and Development Commissioner Maurice Cox made a few points about this area as well. Great architecture down there. That's undeniable. You know, tons of transit options. So, you know, Cindy, it is an enticing area for a number of reasons, right? 
Right. Absolutely. It is uh, one. It's unlike any other commercial corridor in our city. I mean, it really is the historic heart of our um, loop. And, and we have an incredible array of uh, historic buildings along the corridor. And they can, because of that status, they also have the ability to apply for uh, certain types of incentives because of their historic component. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, we are discussing the city of Chicago's new plans for LaSalle Street. There's a lot of empty office space there now. So how about a future where LaSalle has thousands of people living in the area? That's the idea behind the LaSalle Reimagined Initiative. And we're talking with Melody Mercado from Block Club Chicago. She covers The Loop and Cindy Rubick, who's a deputy commissioner in the city's Department of Planning and Development. You mentioned early in the conversation, Cindy, that since the pandemic started, uh, many more people are working from home. They're not coming down to the loop. So if this is a a success, I'm wondering if this just becomes a model then for the city to reinvigorate other parts of downtown in this new, uh, I'm going to say, post-pandemic era. Yeah, I absolutely think it can be a model. Um, and we would look to, you know, expand the um, this concept uh, to other parts of the loop. But we felt it was important to focus on LaSalle Street uh, as a first step because of the level of vacancy and and really the, the historic assets that are available on the corridor. Yeah. Melody, there may be a lot of people listening now who uh, used to come to the loop, but they don't really come there, go there, you know, lately, or they haven't been there for a while. Overall, how have you been seeing the loop change? Um, Well, I'm definitely maybe part of that demographic in terms that I come to the office about three days a week and we are located downtown. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say uh, there's uh, generally crowds along the Mag Mile, Millennium Park, and we I still see a lot of people, of course, commuting nine to five. Um, but there are, you know, some locations of the loop, and I would probably say specifically uh, areas around the the South Loop that that touch the base part of of. Uh, the central loop area mm-hmm. that you are seeing a lot of vacant storefronts where you might see, um, for example, closer in the South loop area, there's a, a fire, a fire station and then, a, a, a lunch spot right next door. But then everything else on the block is vacant storefronts that maybe were vibrant prior to the pandemic. I don't know, but mm-hmm. currently they're they're vacant. So it de- definitely depends what portions of the loop that you're in. But we are definitely seeing some of those areas that are a little more vacant than what they used to be. Yeah. And uh, the local alderman supports this. Is that right? Yes, he did. A, he did release a statement saying that he is looking forward to see what types of proposals that are submitted to the city. They're due December 23rd. Um, and oh, so okay. kind of a little, uh, you know, quicker turnaround. Some, so yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see who's interested, definitely based on um, who's applying and submitting those proposals. But uh, yes, he is in support of this. Alderman Brendan Riley. Mm-hmm. Cindy, very important question that I want to make sure we get in here. How is this going to be funded? Yes, that's that is a great question. We we do have uh, several, as I said, several incentive options out there um, because the buildings are historic. They can apply for the federal re- rehabilitation tax credits, and then Affordable Illinois is a state level tax incentive as well for projects that include affordable housing in in their buildings. Um, and then we have the tax increment financing for the LaSalle Central area. Uh, And so we would be able to subsidize those projects with a variety of these options. Mm -hmm. 
Yesterday on the show, we talked about Google's expansion, right, which uh, they're expanding into the Thompson Center. We know that that's expected by around 2026 or so. Uh, What is the timeline for this plan, Cindy? Yeah, that's that's another great question. We think that um, we can have these um, buildings completed and adaptively reused within five years. Okay. Did you get that sense from the uh, announcement yesterday, Melody? Yes, yes. And of course, I've I've been speaking to some real estate developers and people that work in construction, and they are already making plans for adaptive reuse Mm -hmm. um, before the announcement of the the LaSalle revitalization plan. And so, you know, they are definitely also trying to capitalize on this and having those units up and ready to go in like the next three to five years. This clearly is a big story on your beat. So how are you going to continue to report on the plan and also the potential effects, right, of the surrounding areas? So we definitely, you know, I definitely want to keep my eye on who will be submitting their proposals Mm -hmm. in December. And then, of course, um, looking to see, you know, how those funds are dispersed within the different developers. But we know that, for example, 33 North LaSalle, which is a huge, beautiful Art Deco building, is for sale. Um, And that has a huge potential for adaptive reuse, whether it be for maybe hotel or residential use. Mm -hmm. I think... um, seeing how the sale of that building goes and what it ends up being used for and whether or not it it uh, it applies for uh you know for a proposal i believe it is within the district boundaries yes, yes. yes. um so it will be exciting to see sort of that could be a flagship as to what could happen in terms of all of these other proposals you know what i'm thinking too Cindy is i i guess a huge assumption with this plan is that, you know, people in this city who need to rely on affordable housing, that they actually want to live downtown. Well, that that's a good point. But I, I, I do think at least providing the option before there there really isn't a single affordable uh, housing unit on the corridor today. Yeah. And so they, they don't have the option. They can't even consider it. But here, you know, it's very close to transit. You can live and work within blocks of each other. It's just a more sustainable uh, way of, uh, you know, urban life. And um, we think there is a lot of to be said about being close to the theaters, close to, you know, one of the greatest historic shopping districts sure. in the city, State Street. You're close to Millennium Park. Um, and you'd be close to your work. So uh, we definitely think that and, and downtown Chicago has been the fastest growing downtown in the country for the last 30 years. We just haven't seen that growth on this specific corridor. Yeah. And and the TIF model, right, uh, the tax increment financing. Uh, I've talked to Samir Mayakar a number of times. He's a big believer in that in that model. Why why should developers get TIF money, Cindy? I mean, do, do they not have the means to do this type of work already? Well, doing affordable housing, especially at 30 percent, uh, which is what we're asking for, is is definitely not easy. And and these projects in downtown, uh, because they're existing buildings that would just be converting uh, their floors from office to residential, wouldn't be triggering the uh, affordable requirement ordinance so that, you know, we would be left with really all market rate units. And so to help um, 
provide gap funding, which is what the TIF would do, uh, is is what is needed to to make sure we have a certain level of affordability in those projects. But also, you know, converting the historic buildings is an expense that we're familiar with as well. Well, I can't wait to read your your follow up, Melody, because <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you'll talk to some very interesting folks who are keeping close eyes on this. Yes, of course. We've been talking with reporter Melody Mercado. She covers The Loop, The West Loop, River North, and The Gold Coast for Block Club Chicago, as well as Cindy Rubick, Deputy Commissioner in the city's Department of Planning and Development. Thank you both. This episode of Reset was produced by Dan Tucker. It was edited by Andrew Merriweather. Want to hear more about what's happening in Chicago? Then subscribe to our podcast. We've got tons of great interviews and conversations about Chicago and beyond. Don't forget to leave us a rating because that helps more people find us. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.